Energy and Commerce Committee advances 19 health-related bills. Lawmakers introduce legislation to fully avert impending Medicare physician cuts. And a health transparency bill will be considered on the House floor. For the week of December 11th, 2023, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. Integration that has taken place in our healthcare system. These solutions will bring much needed transparency to patients and employers. As policymakers, we are strengthening our healthcare system and federal programs to ensure patients are getting the greatest value. Kicking off this week's episode with news from Capitol Hill, where the House of Representatives is scheduled to vote this week on the Lower Costs, More Transparency Act under suspension of the rules. The package is focused on increasing transparency in the hospital, insurer, and pharmacy benefit manager industries. It includes many provisions previously advanced by the Energy and Commerce, Ways and Means, and Education in the Workforce Committees, drawing much from the Patient Act to provide patients with timelier and more accurate information about the cost of healthcare procedures and services. It also increases funding for community health centers and the Teaching Health Center's Graduate Medical Education Program. Since being pulled from floor consideration earlier this year, the bill now reportedly has the bipartisan support of leadership from both the Energy and Commerce and Education and Workforce Committees. The Chamber is also scheduled to consider the Support for Patients and Communities Reauthorization Act under suspension of the rules. The bill would reauthorize substance use disorder treatment and recovery support services, prevention programming, and long-term recovery services. Today, we will consider legislation that will expand access to care and fine-tune parts of our healthcare system to make a stronger and more sustainable system for patients. We will report out legislation that will make the American people healthier and better equipped to make healthcare decisions. Again, I want to that was the voice of the House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers, whose panel last week advanced a slate of 19 healthcare-related bills, including legislation to reform the pharmacy benefit manager industry lower the cost of prescription drugs, and increase stability in the Medicare payment system. Those bills include, but are not limited to, the Protecting Patients Against PBM Abuses Act, which passed by a vote of 46 to 0, the Medicare Pharmacy Benefit Manager Accountability Act, which passed by a vote of 44 to 0, and the Physician Fee Schedule Updated Improvements Act, which passed by a vote of 46 to 0. To see the full list of bills that the committee advanced, you can view our written weekly health policy briefing at www.hhs.com. More news from Capitol Hill today, where a bipartisan group of lawmakers last week, led by Representative Greg Murphy, a Republican from North Carolina, introduced legislation that would eliminate the impending 3.37% Medicare reimbursement cut for physicians scheduled to go into effect on January 1st. Original co-sponsors of the Preserving Seniors Access to Physicians Act include Representatives Danny Davis, a Democrat from Illinois, Brad Winstrup, a Republican from Ohio, 
Jimmy Panetta, a Democrat from California, Larry Bouchon, a Republican from Indiana, and Michael Burgess, a Republican from Texas. The version of the Physician Fee Schedule Update and Improvements Act advanced by the House Energy and Commerce Committee last week would increase support for physicians and other practitioners by changing the add-on adjustment from 1.25% to 2.5%, while also extending incentive payments for participating in eligible alternative payment models, updating the budget neutrality threshold from $20 million to $53 million, and ensuring timely updates to direct costs used to calculate practice expense relative value units. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise in support of H.R. 1734, the Triang Research Act, sponsored by my friend, Representative Collins. This is an important bill that will help us combat the dangers of no novel synthetic opioids. Unfortunately, there is no area of our country that hasn't been touched. More action by in the House last week, where the chamber passed the Testing, Rapid Analysis, and Narcotic Quality, or Trank Research Act, last week, as amended by the Senate in June by voice vote. The bill requires the National Institute of Standards and Technology to support research and other activities related to identifying xylazine, a compound used in veterinary medicine as a non-opioid tranquilizer, novel synthetic opioids, and other new psychoactive substances, and will now be sent to President Joe Biden for his signature. The chamber also passed the Elizabeth Dole Home Care Act in a 414-5 to vote. The bill expands community-based services for aging veterans and aims to improve Veterans Affairs support for veterans and caregivers of all ages. Moving to the upper chamber today were Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island, and Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, have launched an investigation into the involvement of private equity in the nation's hospitals. The lawmakers are requesting information from hospital system executives about the impact of their financial arrangements on patients, clinicians, and profits. The probe centers on LifePoint Health and its owner, Apollo Global Management. The lawmakers highlight the significant staffing reductions and substandard health care that has resulted in many hospitals following private equity acquisition. They're requesting details about related party transactions and the degree to which private equity firms, quote, are calling the shots, unquote, at these hospitals. More Senate news where the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee ranking member Bill Cassidy, a Republican from Louisiana, is requesting information from stakeholders on ways to improve and protect access to gene therapies for Americans with ultra-rare diseases. Cassidy intends to use the feedback received to inform future legislation to modernize and improve the market structure for gene therapies to ensure that it supports the continued development of innovative treatments for Americans with ultra-rare diseases. Responses should be submitted to gene therapy coverage at help.senate.gov by January 22, 2024. That's gene therapy coverage at help.senate.gov. Moving to news from the administration today, where the Food and Drug Administration has approved the first cell-based gene therapies for the treatment of sickle cell disease in patients 12 years and older. The agency approved both Casgeva from Vertex Pharmaceuticals and CRISPR Therapeutics and Lifegenia 
from Bluebird Bio for the treatment of sickle cell disease on Friday. Casgeva is the FDA-approved treatment to use the genome editing technology CRISPR. Lifegenia is a cell-based gene therapy which uses a lentiviral vector, or a gene delivery vehicle, for genetic modification. The treatments are intended for patients with history of sickle cell disease-related pain crises that can damage organs, a patient population estimated to include 10 to 20% of the approximately 100,000 individuals in the United States with sickle cell disease. For conditions that had previously required meeting a clinician at least once prior to the pandemic, now the DEA calling it aggressive marketing practices. The agency says the new rules are part of an effort to combat the deadly opioid epidemic in the U.S. by trying to add safeguards to, tele to telehealth services. And now... Winding down today where the Drug Enforcement Administration will propose new regulations for the prescription of controlled substances via telehealth this month, according to the Biden administration's updated regulatory agenda. The agency's COVID-era flexibilities permitting physicians to prescribe controlled substances without an in-person visit were extended through the end of 2024, earlier this year. The extension came in response to a mass of comments expressing concerns with the DEA's prior proposal to reinstate limitations around the remote prescribing of controlled substances and a requirement that an in-person visit occur prior to the prescription of controlled drugs via telehealth. The extra time was intended to give patients and providers time to adapt to the new rules once DEA promulgated a final set of regulations. Today I am driven by the same purpose that I felt when I arrived in Congress. But now it is time to pursue my passion in a new arena. While I'll be departing the House at the end of this year, I will never, ever give up fighting for this country that I love so much. To all those that was the voice of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who announced last week his plans to leave Congress later this month. McCarthy has served as a member of Congress since 2007. He was elected House Speaker in January of 2023, but was ousted less than 10 months later by hardline conservatives displeased with a government funding deal brokered by McCarthy with the Biden administration and Senate Democrats. His departure from the House of Representatives will narrow the Republican Party's majority in the chamber by one more vote. California Governor Gavin Newsom's office has stated that they are awaiting specifics around the timing of McCarthy's departure to determine the next step towards filling his seat. In announcing his decision to resign, McCarthy stated that his political work was, quote, only getting started and that he will continue to recruit our country's best and brightest to run for elected office, unquote. In related news, Representative Patrick McHenry will retire when his current term ends in January of 2025. McHenry currently chairs the Financial Services Committee in the House. He rose to prominence during his tenure of House Speaker pro tempore following the ousting of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy in October. He served in the House since 2005. Representative Kathy Manning, a Democrat from North Carolina, also announced that she will not seek re-election next year. Her decision follows North Carolina's approval of new congressional maps that would have made winning re-election more difficult. On X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, Manning said, quote, I won't file for re-election in the egregiously gerrymandered congressional districts, unquote.
Manning has served two terms in Congress and currently sits on the Education and Workforce Committee. Finally, former Congressional Health Policy staffer Kyle Hill announced his campaign for Congress last week. During his time on Capitol Hill in the offices of Representative Steve Israel, a Democrat from New York, and Susan Del Binet, a Democrat from Washington, Hill helped craft the Seniors' Timely Access to Care Act. He's a former registered dietitian and current volunteer emergency medical technician. He joins incumbent Republican Representative Nick LaLota and Democrats James Gogren, Craig Herskowitz, Nancy Garoff, and Andy DeCaco in vying to represent New York's first congressional district. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the Ways and Means Committee organizing meeting for the 118th Congress. The Committee on Energy and Commerce will come to order. The chair recognizes herself for an opening statement. Um, and it's a pleasure to bring together the first meeting of the Finance Committee in the 118th Congress. Good morning. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions will come to order. All right. We've been we end each week's episode with a call to order. We'll be lightning around congressional meetings and hearings in the near future that you need to know about. First, on Tuesday, December 12th at 10 a.m., the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee, holds an executive session to consider the Screens for Cancer Act, the Advancing Research and Education Act, the Support for Patients and Communities Reauthorization Act, and the Modernizing Opioid Treatment Access Act. Second, on Tuesday, December 12th at 10 a.m., the House Homeland Security Subcommittee on Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection holds the hearing considering DHS's and CISA's role in securing artificial intelligence. Third, on Tuesday, December 12th at 10.30 a.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Health convenes a hearing titled Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox Suicide Prevention Grants, Saving Veterans' Lives Through Community Connection. Fourth, on Thursday, December 14th at 9.30 a.m., the Senate Special Committee on Aging gavels in a hearing entitled Understanding a Growing Crisis, Substance Use Trends Among Older Adults. And last, on Thursday, December 14th at 10 a.m., the Senate Help Committee holds the hearing What is Fueling? the diabetes epidemic. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the policy briefings tab at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, contact us on Twitter at HHS Policy, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week, and stay healthy. Stay healthy.